grab a pen, get some paper. Because this is one of those episodes that's going to make you want to take notes. Bob Hosta, Bob Hosta Collection on Instagram, took a good, long look at his collection. And he didn't like what he saw. So, he did something about it. He didn't just buy a card on his watch list, nor did he splurge on a hot prospect or an iconic vintage card. Instead, inspired by the collections of others, Bob created an entire system for his collection. And when I say system, I mean spreadsheets, tiers, themes, values. And to that, he applied patience and discipline. I'll let him tell you the rest of his story. My name is Dave. Some know me on Instagram as Iowa Dave Sports Cards. And this is The Shallow End. All right, so very excited to welcome in today Bob Hosta, Bob Hosta Collection on Instagram. Uh, if you don't follow him, do. It is a terrific read. Great cards, great updates. Bob, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Excited to be here. So, Bob, really, really excited to start talking about your transformation as a collector because you're doing some really exciting things. But for those who are not familiar with your Instagram account, aren't familiar with you, just talk a little bit about yourself and your place in this hobby. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I've been on Instagram for a few years now and started as like a TTM through the mail autograph collector. And I still like one of the things I love to do. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where as time went on, they've just compiled to be so many. And, uh, you know, the goal of a thousand requests a year kind of got ridiculous as the binder started getting full, full and full. Um, and then I started looking at other people's collections and going, well, how come I can't have that? I could never justify buying I, even a $50 card. It was just, you know, I couldn't do it. So I'm going, okay, well, if I sell off a couple things, if I just limit my buying, I could do this. It's just, I had to change my mindset. So that's kind of where I've kind of um, really started to transition. That's kind of been how my page has kind of transformed into more higher end, I call them higher end cards, three figure cards um, and, and f- away from so many TTM requests and things like that. So when you were doing TTM, was there a plan or was it just sending off to whoever you thought might get a response from? So I'm super nostalgic. So I have these like childhood collection. I've never gotten rid of my cards and I, I'm a little younger. I feel like than a lot of the collectors on here who grew up in the nineties, I kind of have like the early two thousands were kind of my like really big collecting days as a kid. So I have all those cards, right? And uh, <clears throat> I love getting those signed. So it's more of seeing who signs and then getting those cards from my childhood signed is kind of like one of my favorite things to do. I rarely go out and buy specific cards to get signed because I have no connection to them. And so you were almost more successful than you intended. It sounds like with TTM to the point that you just, like you said, you have these binders that are filling up and then you had this thought of now what, or is this really what I want? Exactly. Exactly. And then I also started like playing around on ComC doing flips there and then buying 
So I was big into the prospecting game, but instead of chasing a single prospect, I took this like indexing investment approach where if I just buy one of everyone, eventually, like, let's see if that is more effective because I'll hit, hit on some of the lower end guys who are cheap, you know? And uh, I took that approach and now I have a lot of like car salesmen and insurance salesmen cards and things like that. Now they're really kind of just there. So, and that was again the other problem. And I found I never cared for them. I just bought them because I thought they'd be worth money. So was it a matter of you, did you, did you have a moment or was it a gradual thing when you started realizing that you weren't satisfied with these cards that you had in your collection? Yeah. So I started like really enjoying uh, the P Ryan collections, hundred card case. And that was kind of the start. I'm like, okay, what if, I've always had this feeling, I have all these binders and it's always kind of embarrassing almost in a way when I say, oh, I collect autographs and cards and I hand someone this binder. And for me, they're organized by year, by set, by numerical order. And that's the way they have to be. And I love that. But it's kind of embarrassing to show someone like this binder and they're like, I don't know any of these guys. I'm like, I remember them, but they don't. So I kind of had the approach of like, what if I took a hundred of my signed cards so 100 baseball and 100 hockey is kind of where I kind of focus my collection. What would that look like? So I went through my collection and did that kind of process, not to get rid of anything, just to kind of showcase them. And I was like, wow, I really have some cool stuff. I really like this. Um, what about my other cards, like my Hall of Fame rookie cards and like non-signed stuff? I took that approach. And then I'm like, there are a lot of holes here. And there's a lot of stuff that like I just bought I always, I look, think back and I think of how I collected as life was a checklist. I need every hall of fame rookie card. I need every hall of famers autograph. And you're left with, you know, especially operating on kind of the low end, buying up all the cheaper stuff. And then you're like, I don't have a Jackie card in my collection. That's of, of no, I don't have a lot of these key players. And you're like, kind of left that empty feeling, you know? It made me hate my collection, actually, that process of really taking stock in what I had. You know, there's a there's a lot of, not a lot, but there's some chatter. There's some conversation in, in the hobby, right? Somebody who say, well, I'm a completionist. I'm a completionist. I start this. I do that. That can be kind of dangerous. And it's also dangerous contextually within the hobby, not like it's going to hurt us physically right right yeah. but it can keep us from getting what we want sometimes because you know like you said i have to get an autograph of every hall of famer um but that can get really expensive mm -hmm. and so you mentioned you have this nostalgic streak in you and that you're from sort of like your cars that you think about were from the early 2000s right but a lot of what we're seeing right now on your instagram page are um vintage cards yeah Right. So how um, how do you feel nostalgic or what is the connection that you have with vintage cards given you or me? I'm, I'm, I, I didn't see Jackie Robinson or Stan Musial play either. How did you get that connection to those players who played, you know, decades and decades ago? Yeah. yeah. So um, as a kid, I used to go to the library and they had these like Beckett kind of like catalogs. They weren't just the magazine. They were like really, really big. And it give you like pricing on everything. And as a kid, I would flip through and I always was enamored with the old stuff. I loved that little black and white picture of like the 54 set, the 55 set. 
and like looking at what those are worth. And I would go, oh, one day, one day I'll have an alkaline rookie. I'm a Tigers fan. One day I'll have this. One day if I make enough money, I'll do that. And so I've been dreaming about owning some of those key big time vintage cards since I was a kid at looking through those magazines. It was weird. I liked the new kind of players, but I never was into like the the parallels. The parallels have never done it for me. So a lot of that era of collecting, it just doesn't like ring for me. I was more Jersey cards, autographs growing up, but always had that love of the vintage stuff that I just felt was truly unattainable. So that's interesting that you're not really not into the parallels because yeah. oftentimes we hear it's the parallels, it's the serial numbered stuff that makes the stuff more attractive. But mm -hmm. if you were to go and get a Ronald Acuna or a mm -hmm. Shohei Otani base rookie card, even a PSA 10, you know, there are 10, 15, 20,000 of those things that are out there. It really kind of flies in the face of people who are, against collecting vintage you say well, yeah but vintage is actually pretty common you can go and get mm -hmm. a bob gibson rookie you can go and you can get any jackie robinson you want as long as you have the money you can get they're all available at any time yeah. but there aren't parallels right there weren't there wasn't yeah. don russ and skybox and upper deck and fleer and 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 exactly. um so when you look at something like a total print run across all the different sets that vintage you know it, it can be um just as challenging as finding a certain type of parallel of a current player. Exactly. And the other thing is like, for me, I want those cards that like, when you close your eyes, you go, that's what their rookie card looks like. So the parallel, I don't think of Ronald Acuna's rookie card. Oh, it's the gold. It's the first Bowman. It's no, it's the bat down. It's the one that everyone was chasing. That is like, if I'm eventually going to get one, if he becomes, you know, where I want someone I want in my collection, it has to be the bat down because it's the one that when you close your eyes and you think of Acuna and the Cunha mania chasing his rookie card, what card is it? It's why I love the 86 Canseco because everyone that is the card. When you think of it, that's the card, right? His tops card's nice, whatever, but it's not the one. And that's what I love about like the vintage because there is just the one. And then within it, there is like the, well, I need to find one in my budget that looks nice enough, you know? And that's kind of the other game to play. I love that you said the 86 Canseco card, right? Because he had a tops card. He had a, a Fleer card. Yeah, uh, he had a Don Russ card. But yeah. you were talking about the Don Russ rated rookie. Yep. And all you had to use was, emphasize was the word the. the. You know it. And you could picture it in your mind right away. Yeah. yeah, he's there. Yeah. He's got that sort of prepubescent baby mustache going on, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. staring in the rated rookie and those in that 86 Don Russ set with the, you know, the navy blue with those black lines that go around the board. You knew exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Right. So that's kind of like what I really wanted to focus on now. It's kind of where I really started to, to go in my collection. Great. So, okay. So you're realizing that your collection wasn't where you wanted it to be. You started sort of having this realization of the kinds of cards that you would prefer to collect, but having an idea of transformation and actually beginning the process of moving toward it, that's, those are two separate things. Yeah. So what, once you decided to start doing that, what steps did you take? What came next for you? So I kind of had an idea of like, okay, what do I think round ballpark number 
not selling it as a lot, just selling it piece by piece. What could I get for the stuff I want to get rid of? Right. And I just was like, okay, I don't know, quick math here. Maybe best case it's worth say $10,000. And that's like parting it out, you know, card by card. Okay. So like, that's just a round number. What collection could I build for $10,000? And I want to keep it around, say, say 50 cards. Because I have others that I like. I'm trying to do that P. Ryan 100 card case. So I have about 50 that I like, you know, that kind of work for now. What 50 could I buy for that price, right? And that's kind of like that approach, right? So I was like, okay, now let's build this collection. So then I started going through card by card and going, okay, which players do I want represented and what sets do I want represented? I think there's an importance of representing certain sets, not just like an example was uh, like 33 Gaudi, right? Ruth is not in a $10,000 collection budget unless you have like one of them. But for me- That, that is your $10,000 collection. Exactly, but I'm a Tigers fan. Mickey Cochran is kind of like an underrated Tiger player that like is a Hall of Famer, but he's in the 33 Gaudi set and you can find one from him for 75 to hundred dollars. I'm like, that'll work. That's the card for that set, for that set. Right. And I get a player like from my favorite team. So that was kind of like the approach I kind of started taking to like build out what would that look like? And then I'm really bad for buying the cheapest stuff first. And it's like a massive issue because then I'm like, oh, I have no more money to buy the, like, the higher end stuff. And it's easy to buy the cheap. It's hard to buy like the expensive and save up for it. I find it, especially in cards. So what I did was I kind of tiered out. Like I built this collection of like 50 cards of what I was thinking about. And then I made tiers of like, what do I really want? with value kind of being higher end towards the top, but it's not like a perfect list of like the most expensive first. So like the first I made it and I tried to keep the tiers around certain amounts of money. So for me, like tier one was $2,000 and I wanted to see if I could get a Jordan rookie and a Gretzky rookie for two grand. It sounds ridiculous, right? But with enough work, you can kind of make the numbers work within, you know, 10, 10%, right? And then like tier two was like my Detroit guys. So I wanted a Greenberg, a Gordy Howe and K-Line for about 1500. Cause I knew the Gordy would be about 500 bucks. The K-Line's like three and, the, and so, and then Greenberg kind of make up the rest. And with Greenberg, you don't have to get the 34 rookie card. You can, he's no. got play balls and some other ones too. Yeah, I actually bought a Diamond Stars for him. Uh, Diamond Stars, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, the Diamond Stars, which is like a super, you know, a little off the beaten path, but still like pretty popular in pre-war. And like, I love the 34, um, but it was just out of the price range. And I was debating on the 38. That was the other like, so you have it, the one really fun part with this list and you try to get narrowed down like this is those internal debates. Like it, they would run circles in my head all night, like, Oh, do I want the 34, five diamond stars, the 38 Gaudi? And like, think about that. And then what about this? What about, you know, who represents that set? Do I need this player or should I pass on them? Cause I have an autograph of them in another collection. You know, you start really, it becomes like, you spend more time thinking about building than actually like buying stuff, which, you know, allows you to enjoy the hobby a little bit more, I think. Well, you have to, you'll go broke otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. So that was kind of like the approach. So 
And then the way I do it is that I can't, I make these tiers and I can't move on. I can only work on two tiers at a time. These are all just weird self-imposed rules, but I think you kind of have to have I them. think it's great. Keep going. Yeah. So I can only work on two tiers at a time. And then once I've completed tier, then I can move down into the next tier. And so then do you have to, can you work on any two tiers at a time or can you start on, can you work on like tier one and tier four or does that have to be one then two? One and two. One and two. Yeah. So right now tier two, for me, tier two is done. The Jordan has gotten subbed out after looking at a bazillion Jordans. I go, well, you can find a Ty Cobb T206, like pretty beat up, but in the same price as like an altered authentic Jordan. Maybe I want the Cobb more for me. Like that's the Tigers card to have of all time. So I'm like, okay, so Jordan's been kicked right down the bottom of the list, even though he's quite expensive. Cause I don't want to do like two $1,500 cards and, 1500 for Cobb is like almost impossible, mm -hmm. but you know, maybe it'd be 16 or 17, but that'll be like the one four figure card I own. Got it. So that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned the P Ryan collection. Were there any other collections or ideas? Like you don't have to mention someone by name if you don't want to, but mm -hmm. were there any other ideas that you saw in how other people collected as well that also helped to create your own tiered system in your own formula or was um or was p ryan's 100 card box basically like the inspiration he he's a big inspiration for me brett from stacking slabs is another one he just the psychology behind collecting and like he always talks about being the ceo of your pc he always talked and that's like i was not doing that I was just checking boxes i wasn't actually being the ceo of my pc and that's what that that clicked for me, I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then I'm like, how do I want to collect? Well, I need constraints because I'm bad for just going everywhere and anywhere. Amen. So the hundred card case, it doesn't have, and it doesn't have to be a hundred cards. For me, a hundred cards kind of works. But and I have multiple hundred card cases now, a hundred autographs, a hundred this, hundred that. But those hundreds are like from my collection. They won't be buying anything to build them, if that makes sense. Right. And there's a difference between having two, even maybe a few cases, you know, something that takes up some space in a closet versus, I don't want to name names, but there was, there was somebody who once was on another different show who's always buying up collections. And he actually talked about first building on a collection to his house, um, mm -hmm. in addition to his house and, and then eventually moving. Um, and, and so yeah. I don't, I, I'm saying, I don't think you should feel bad about having a few cases. I think that's normal for sure. Shape. Yeah, the binders are like insane. I have about ten thousand signed cards, and for me, I can't wow. sell a lot of those. Like for me, I just they're so nostalgic. A lot of them mm -hmm. sets that I remember looking at as a kid and stuff like that. So I've sold off a lot of the duplicates. I've sold off uh, some of the like random one cards that I have that like I don't know where I got them. They have no, no connection, but like I can't sell an eighty-seven top signed card. Mm -hmm. Like I'll be gone, and then that's when they will sell. And they will sell for nothing because no one wants, I don't even know, random player. <laughs> That's like I, I like. No, but, and, and you know, this is not my specialty by any stretch. But I would think, sure, maybe pulling out one random card from 87 Tops, like Corey Snyder, would that, that would be really hard to sell. But if somebody saw the collection and thought, yeah. oh, I want to own that, I think that might be an easier yeah. sell. Exactly, exactly. But that right now, none of that is like up for sale. That's just kind of like my own collection. I still do the TTM thing, but slowly. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. Okay. So you had originally you had 
uh, Gretzky and Jordan in that tier one. And yeah. the tiers are, are grouped by both budget and by want, how, how desired they are. And additionally, a theme, which is even here. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there's 50 stars, there's Tiger, Detroit legends, there's goats like, of the sport. So, like, Steve Eiserman might, might be in one yeah. of the tiers. Right? Yeah. So, like, for Sergei one. Petrov. Exactly. So one of the tiers is like, um, like I have a Clemente, Kofa, or sorry, Clemente, Aaron, um, Mantle kind of tier, right? Mm -hmm. And like that for me, it's a thousand dollar budget. I haven't gotten, I haven't bought anything from it yet. So it's two hundred fifty dollars a card. It, it becomes fun to what? What could you build with four cards that price range? Because all the big stuff is gone. You can't, can't go get a rookie. And you kind of talk about that of not collecting simply the rookie card, right? I mean, there are some beautiful cards. I've I've had in my watch list now for two months a, a beautiful '58 Hank Aaron, yeah. the one with the green background. Love that card. Love that card. And the reason I don't get it one is because I'm getting other things or or just saving up at the time. But two, there's this devil on one shoulder that says, "Yeah, but that's going to be harder to resell because it's not the rookie card." And I I keep I'm always fighting that. The, yeah. The, it's, I wouldn't. The rookie card looks great, but I love the way that fifty-eight looks. It's a beautiful profile. It's a, a nice, solid, vibrant green background. It's terrific. Yeah. Um. I, I want to kind of come back to where you are on on your list. Is it is it fun creating this kind of a of a system? It's almost like I, I think it's almost like sounds fun. Not just tearing the players, but almost then coming up with a system that I don't think anybody else uses. But I think after listening to this. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody reached out to you just to just to comment on it. But did you do you have fun collecting this way? It's been the most fun I've ever had collecting because it's opened doors to things I always thought I couldn't afford. And that's been the biggest thing. Because I wait till I build up the eBay kind of budget and then buy. I don't do the opposite where it's like buy the card and then figure what to sell. Because my stuff that I'm selling is not liquid enough. It's three and four dollar cards that I'm doing to build this collection. So it's super fun. Like I made a post at the end of the year, um, a few days before the year ended, but I had sold 488 cards on eBay. I bought five, five that I thought were fully unattainable cards. And I'm not Mr. Consolidation of the, it's just, I've never thought to get rid of some of this stuff. I just said, well, I own it now. I'm taking the loss and that's it. Okay. So you sold 488 cards. What were the five that you bought? So I bought a Gretzky rookie. I actually have them. I have the Gretzky rookie. Mm -hmm. I have the Gordie Howe 54, which to me is the most beautiful Gordie Howe card. That's the rookie's card. the rookie's cool, whatever. I don't care. That's the card for me. Is the Gretzky tops or Opeachy? Uh part the Gretzky is no peachy. As a Canadian, it has to be Opeachy. Yeah. Um I bought a 54 K line. Which was like a card I've dreamed about forever. Oh, sure. Um, and then I bought the Greenberg, the uh, Diamond Stars Greenberg. And that was it. The rest is like ComC money that like I've slowly built up and bought a couple other things. But I think I, this year I bought 10 cards for this collection. That's been it in the whole year. You know, until it, we, we've, you and I have gone, we've chatted over uh, Instagram for couple months now a few months now and i didn't fully understand the system i'm i'm i i sometimes have to map things out to see it right i didn't yeah. quite get it but now hearing that you have to go in 
order from tier one to tier two, two, three, four, five, six, whatever. Now I get it, right? Like I, I couldn't quite figure out um, why you were getting not a whole lot of cards. And now I get it because tier one might have been the most expensive, yeah. but also with the most desired players. And now I see as long as you're, you know, as long as you stick to it, right? As long as you're disciplined yeah. and patient and are willing to go from tier one and then to tier two and then to tier three, that's how you do it. That's how you just yeah. do it. How many tiers do you have? I think I have about 15 right now. Okay. And the bottom is always changing. The bottom is like, because a lot of them are like $40, $50 cards. So a lot more range in there. Um, and then in those lower tiers, I have a little bit of Com C credit from like just random flips. And I'll buy, pick stuff off the bottom tiers if I find something kind of under comps or like, like for me, I found a, a Bryant, Kobe Bryant Skybox rookie, the EX one. It was a PSA 5. I got it in hand. I can't find the problem with it. And it went for half of what any other like raw card on eBay goes for. I, mean, I, I looked it over, over maybe it's a little OC, but like, mm -hmm. I don't know what's wrong with it. So I'm like, this is awesome. That's like a perfect card for my collection. So I'd rather, said, and you said you bought, you bought it raw, you said? No, I bought it graded. You as bought a, it graded I, right? And I can't figure out, but for me, it's all about owning the card. I think I've written that a bunch of times, like, Mm -hmm. grade doesn't matter to me and even like it being off center it being altered it as long as it looks good enough to me i don't care and that, i know that's going to hurt resale on the back end but a lot of times you can get those for better deals if you can accept the flaw and, and plus for you never know what you might what what the buyer is going to be wanting right you know there are Buy, you know, I, I buy, I like to buy baseball cards and I'll buy vintage all the way through ultra modern. But if I'm buying vintage, centering is what my eye goes to first. Mm -hmm. And I can't get it. I can't get the card if it's off center. It drives me, it drives me crazy. Um, so much so that I can really relate to the collector. It's called Jackie's and Jordan's, yeah. where I can look at a card instantly and, and I'm like, that's 55 45. That drives me crazy. Um, like, I don't need perfect, perfect, but I noticed yeah. that right away. Whereas, if my corners are bent, if they're rounded off, if the edges are cracking a little, I just don't care. Yeah. You know, but you or someone else on the other hand might be fine with it being off center, but the corners might drive you crazy. You never, you never know. And yeah. there's somebody else who's like you collecting as well as it were. If you choose to sell those cards at some point, there's, some, there's going to be a taker. There'll be someone for me. It's all about, I can't have a crease through the person's face. That's like my one. I mean, I like a lot of people have that problem but I could deal with like a mangled card all the way around by the player's face doesn't have like weirdness to it. And that's like the one, which is I, I'm happy. I don't have the centering eye issue because I would not be able to buy some of the cards that I buy for the prices. So right. Like, I thank myself every day for not having the centering. <laughs> I, I think that's one reason that I'm so willing to, to, not always get rookies is because I know if, if I try to get a rookie, a centered rookie, I might as well just, refine my house at this point oh yeah there's no way right like yeah yeah for me i'm always looking for those off-center ones pinholes all that kind of good stuff like yeah. even right. altered like i i'm gotten more and more into altered like buying them all buying them in the case altered not buying them raw and getting right. screwed right because for me i'm like you can get altered for the same price as a, a really beat up one and it presents well you know the the label i don't look at the flip i look at the card so, so when you, 
you move Jordan down originally, and then you move someone else up into tier one. When you've completed tier one, does tier two then become tier one, the new tier one? And does it move up? I just, I just had them all highlighted in green. So okay. the, I work on like the white space in my Excel chart is kind of the next thing. So yeah, I don't actually get rid of it because I like to have kind of like what I paid for it. And then I have this running total of like, what, what amount of money do I need? Because I have a budget for each card that I think I could maybe, you know, get into each card for. And then like, how much more money do I need to complete my, like, I call it my dream collection. And I know the dream collection is never done, but like for me, this would be like a lot of them are stuff that I never thought I could afford that are in just a you know, few hundred dollar cards. They're not like crazy, crazy stuff. There's no Ruth. There's no like Gehrig's on the list or anything like that. It's just your classic 50s cards and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. So what is next for you? What are, what are you pursuing right now? So right now I've been looking for a, a, a TTO6 Cobb. It is not easy to find in my ridiculously low price range, but I've have seen eBay sales that have sold for like in that range. So I'm like, okay, it exists. I just got to find the right one. Um, and then after that, it's going to be like a Clemente, a mantle an Aaron and a maze all from the fifties, happy fifties. Okay. That's kind of the next tier. And then after that, it's the 53 satchel page, which I think you have a copy of. I love that card. Yeah. And the Koufax rookie. So those are like elite pitchers. That's again, they're themed. Each 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 tier has to be a theme. <laughs> so we have those like those great pitchers. Um, and then after that, it's kind of a little more open. The tiers kind of open up because the cards kind of drop off in price. But there's like a Gila Fleur rookie and a couple other guys like that. Got it. So do you? Uh... I'm sure you actually have it. Do you have it written out? Do you have it? Do you do you, did you design it on your computer? Is it handwritten? What is your what does this project look like visually? So it's in Excel. So it's Excel. in Excel. And being a little bit of an Excel nerd, like I work in finance for a tech company, mm-hmm. I have it where it not it has the list, it has the prices I want to pay, and then I also am able to like go on to ComC. It has like a ComC lookup, which shows me what things are listed for on ComC. And if it is in the price range, it turns green. The card will turn green. Like you go look at that one, as well as my slabs as a my slab scrape as well. I can't get eBay to work, but those are like I have the save search to set up on eBay, so I have that all that kind of running, and then it has a total of like what I've paid for each card, um, what the difference is. Do I have any savings to like my total budget, and then like how much money I have available to kind of like play with. And do you have a separate account, uh, anything like a separate, like where do you keep your funds for cards? Are they grouped in with your family stuff or is it separate? Yeah, it's in my family stuff, but I have like a ledger in my, um, in that Excel sheet that keeps track of like what I've spent, like what I've, you know, even down to like shipping stuff, like shipping and receipt like, um, supplies. Like I take that out of the card. I want it to be a hundred percent as best as I can net zero truly take the money out of the like equity in my cards got it so it's not, you said before that you you keep your cards in a box right for the most part yeah. but so how does it feel is it how rewarding is it knowing that you are have been disciplined thus far with this tiered system of yours when you go to, to that primary box and you start going through the cards that you have what does that feel like for you now going through your collection it does they don't feel like they're mine i'll tell you right now like it doesn't have that feeling because 
Like last year, the most expensive on the card was $50. And the year before that, it was probably less than 20. I'd never have spent a lot of money on an individual card. I could never could bring myself to do it. So that to have a collection that like, it do, it just doesn't seem real. I'll be honest with you. They feel like they're not mine. Yeah, and yet they are. And they're there as a result of your, you know, willingness, right? To, yeah. to discipline yourself. So thinking back to where you were before, before you did the tears, does it feel like a different person, like a different collector? It feels like a complete, it's crazy. Because in when I was strictly doing TTM, you get who's signing. That's essentially, you don't really get to pick, like, and really have that, like, you're not throwing darts. Like, now I'm just, it's throwing darts. Before, you're, you're shooting a shotgun, you're hoping you hit something, you know? And that's kind of what it was, which is still fun. Like, yesterday in the mail came in a, a Paul Molitor signed rookie card. Awesome. Super excited about that one. But it's not the same as like the really high end stuff that like felt out of the out of the realm of possibility for me. So it does feel like two different collectors. I've actually kind of feel guilty because it makes TTM feel less fun. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. When I want to scratch that itch, I have a small little Chris Osgood collection because his cards are super cheap. I mean, literally for five dollars, you can pretty much buy any card you ever wanted of his. So he's kind of like the little, when I need to blow off some steam and buy something, I just search ComC for his cards because they're, they're super cheap. And I don't feel guilty. Good. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's sort of where my next question was going is, is sometimes we all get hit by a bout of impulsiveness or mm-hmm. spontaneity. And I was what, yeah. where I was actually was going was, um, I was wondering if you ever went to shows or anything like that because you're, you're so disciplined that you know, when you get to a show, if you're looking specifically for two to four cards that are in a given tier, even if the show was 150 tables, you could probably walk through that thing in about 25 minutes and realize, nah, I'm good. This is not what I'm getting right now. So how do you scratch that impulsiveness itch that happens from time to time? Yeah. So I've only ever been to one show just recently. I went to one, the first one I've ever been to. There's not much around here. Um, But so the Osgood collection, my Chris Osgood collection is kind of my you can go to a show because he's literally almost every card of his, which end up in a dollar bin, even like his inserts and stuff are just dollar bin cards. So I can dig through a dollar bin and come home with 10 cards and be thrilled, right? Like there's something different and most of his stuff is shiny in that era. So like it kind of scratches the shiny itch that like once in a while you have. Um, the other thing, I think I've mentioned this to you and it sounds really stupid, but sometimes when I want to start a new PC or a new like Avenue, I'll just save the photos of those cards in an album, look at them all together and go, yeah, they look cool together. And then like, that's it. It's so weird. I started doing that and it like satisfies the like, for me, it's like, I always have to think, what do they look like together? So like by putting them in an album, my phone, it kills an hour of time. Probably I don't buy anything. And then I'm able to keep those funds for like what I really, really want. You know, you mentioned that it sounded silly, but it, it was a really great idea. And for those of you who are listening, um, Bob and I were talking about how I almost went for a, a, and how I have many times almost gone for a Keegan Murray card. Keegan Murray, the second year player for the Sacramento Kings, really good player. Um, I, I live, you know, couple miles away from where he played basketball where caitlin clark now plays basketball 
And I thought that's a PC I should be starting, but oh man, no, I, I can't be starting something else. I did start one late last year of almost like your Osgood one. I started one of a, of a, of a player that I could just pick up for a dollar here or there. Mm-hmm. Keegan Murray is not cheap, right? He's basketball. Mm-hmm. He's new. He's got gold prisms that are in four figures. And then, and then Bob gave me the idea of just saving the photos somewhere on my phone or in Flickr. And that has really worked, right? I haven't really, there's the sort of the two tiered attack of one, I now can get a fix just by looking at this album on my phone versus, and also there's the reality of I couldn't afford it anyway, even if I wanted to, but listen to Bob, he knows what he's saying. Yeah, it's a fun thing. I did a similar thing with um, Cup Rookies, like it was like on the premier hockey product of some local guys that I'm like, oh, that'd be a fun collection. And like, yeah, a lot of them you can pick up for, you know, five, 10 bucks. They became nobodies. But there's a few guys who really did well. And you're like, that would kill the whole, it just, the PC doesn't make sense to do that. So just put them in an album. I looked at them. I get to look at it again. I made the album and I've never had the itch to look at it again. So I go, obviously this wasn't a good idea. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So let's say if we made a pact right now to to meet again about one year from now, what cards do you think you would be able to show in January of 25 that are not currently? What do you hope to be able to show in January of 25 that you currently do not have as part of your collection? So I think the ones I mentioned, there was nine. I think I mentioned nine in a story recently, and that was kind of like my top from those tiered lists. There's nine cards based on my eBay sales kind of like progression. I think this is what I could get. So it'd be the Cobb, the Cobb T206. Um, there'd be a 55 Aaron, a 56 Clemente, a 54 Maze, but Maze is still for debate on which Maze card it's gonna be. A mantle card of some sort. I don't know which mantle in the $250 range is really possible other than a 55 Bowman, which I love that card. I like the, it reminds me of the Gordy or the Bobby Orr rookie, that kind of wood TV. So I'm like, that works. Um, the Colfax rookie, the um, Satchel Page 53. And then I don't know what else after that. But that would be, if those would be the big ones. So I think there are six cards there. I think if I bought six cards this year, I'd be thrilled. So what factors and how do you decide? And, you know, you mentioned, you know, a mantle, a maze, an Aaron, and then Clemente, and then you, got to the uh the Kofax rookie yeah where do you take the leap in which so you want to have a rookie card of someone versus uh, a different card of someone that that speaks to you in some other way so a big, big part of its cost so it's cost and then which sets are already represented so for me like while Aaron is the premier player in 54 to me Kaline is because he's a tiger so I can live without that one. I also love, and a lot of times too, what happens is if there's a second or third year card that I like the way it looks a lot, I can accept not having the rookie when there's a big price disparity. So for Koufax, the price disparity doesn't feel as crazy as like the Aaron, you know? So that's oh. kind of, yeah. So yeah, that's, kind of the way I do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the way I, I do it. I'd love the rookie, but you got to make those kind of tough choices when you're playing in this kind of like, here's a budget, what could I build? You know, and that's kind of what I think is the best way to go is start with like a number first and then work your way back. 
Like, cause I have a separate list of like, money's no option. What a hundred cards am I owning? It's insane, but <laughs> you know, like that's just a fun exercise because sometimes you want to pretend. So uh, last question here, and then we'll let you go is if, if somebody is listening to this and they're feeling some sort of a spark or an inspiration to get themselves a little bit more focused, a little bit more organized, but they're not sure where or how to start. What type of advice would you give somebody who is just at the beginning of this process? I think the best thing is like, come up with a number that you think you want to spend or could get out of your collection. Just come up with that number and then try and just come up with like, say, 20 to 50 cards that would build out that depending what you want right so try and come up with i think there's three constraints you need the dollars you need how many cards you want it to be and then kind of just what could you do with that amount you'll spend weeks i spent weeks building the list publius 13 talks about the list all the time and i didn't think anything of it i heard him speak about it i'm like okay yeah it's nice i wasn't in this game yet the list is what you are going to spend a ton of time on and it's a lot of fun. Don't buy anything. Just make the list and then look at the, revisit it a few times. You'll, and then you'll eventually get the feeling of like, I, I, I think it's good. I think it's ready. Great. So on Instagram, you can find him at Bob Hosta collection. Bob, thank you so much for coming on today. A lot of fun, Dave. Thank you. Thank you to Bob. Bob Hosta Collection on Instagram for sharing his insights. Just so, so much good stuff there. And thank you to you for tuning into this podcast. I appreciate it, and I do not take your time for granted. I'll see you again next time, whenever that may be. <laughs>